So we're going to continue with the will of God. We've been sharing for a little, for a couple of weeks now. Um, glad to say that all the messages are available on the family.church app. So if you haven't, if you've missed any of them, or if you want to go over them again, they're all there now. So, um, and what we've done recently, we did a message a couple of weeks ago, about three, four weeks ago, called Forgetting the Past. Forgetting the Past. Then we did Taking Away to Establish. Do you remember that one? That he, he replaces and displaces. He takes the sting out of our past, and he, and he replaces it with his goodness, with his faithfulness. Last week, we had a brilliant time here doing the 47%, living in the now. Remember, if your feet are here, are you with us? Are you going to be with us for 90% of the time? You're not going to be with us just 47% of the time, isn't it? 100% of the time. Be present where you are. Be present where your feet are. Be present where you are. And now today, uh, we're going to cover a, a, a message. It's called Renewing the Mind renewing the mind. So with that, our foundation scripture is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And he says, the Apostle Paul wrote this, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, and sistren, okay, we're not to be left out, us girls, Mm -hmm. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In fact, the ESV says that is your spiritual worship. The New Living says this is truly the way to worship him. This is how we worship God. And he goes on and he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I like what the message says. I'll just read you one line from it. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work or to school and walking around life, your everyday life, and place it before God as an offering. Place your everyday life as an offering before God. So he says there in Romans chapter 12, present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. You know, we, 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 we worship along with the, with, the, with the YouTube clips and so forth, and I think it's fantastic, actually. We are... I don't think anyone's complained so far. It's been absolutely brilliant. And even if you did complain, I don't know that we'd really listen at this point. But anyway, um, just throw that in. But you know what? Sometimes we think of worship. Worship is just we sing songs. So worship is the slow song section, right? No, it's not. Worship, Bible says this is your spiritual worship, that you present your body a living sacrifice, your everyday life, your normal everyday life, this, when you present your bodies, your normal everyday life, this is your spiritual worship. Do you know what, God, how we, how we live our life matters. How we live our life matters. It's not just coming to church on a Sunday, oh, bless God, yes, we are all in the house of the Lord this morning, and, you know, and we pray good prayers, and we sing beautiful songs. No, it's the Monday morning, 
How do you live your life when, when you go to school, when you go to work? How do you live your life when you're just walking around, when you're in Asda, when you're in the shops, when you're driving? That's your spiritual worship. God is more interested in that than what we do here on a Sunday morning. I mean, he manifests his presence, praise God for that. But he's interested in our everyday lives. And what I love there is in Romans chapter 12, he says that by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We don't present our bodies as a living sacrifice, this everyday life stuff, to receive his mercies. We've already received his mercies in Christ. We, we are redeemed. We are restored. We are loved. We are accepted. We are chosen. So we've already received the mercy of God. We've already received his mercies. In the Old Testament, sacrifices were made in order to receive the mercies of God. But we're in Christ. In Christ, we've already received those mercies. So because of that, we, we offer our ordinary everyday lives. We make our lives that offering. This is our spiritual worship. God's, you know what? God looks at our hearts. He, he's not looking for a behavior modification. He's not looking for good behavior. Well, oh, I've got to behave like this, and therefore this is the way I behave, and I put myself into a little box, and I must do this, and I must do that, and I must be sweet and saccharine. No. Just live your normal, everyday life, full of the fruit of the Spirit. Allow the fruit of the Spirit to manifest, uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit to come up and out of you. What's inside will come out, and we'll, we'll get to that. But God's looking for this heart transformation, because he's saying there, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So he's looking for a heart transformation. He's looking for that living sacrifice. That, that sacrifice that will actually come to the altar and stay there, living life, living a surrendered life. This stuff's painful. It's really, it's painful. It's easy to sit here on a Sunday morning and say, yes, yes, <laughs> I'll live that sacrificial life. I'll lay down my life. Put me in behind the wheel of a car. Eee, it's not so easy. <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. But... Um, you know, but this is, this is when it comes down to it. It's living a, living a sacrificed life. It's about yielding our will to him because we're learning about God's will. God's will is that we surrender our will to him. That's his will. It's about a total surrender to the Lord in every area of our lives. You know what? It's like Pastor Andy was speaking about this the other day on Talking Church, and he was saying, you know, if you were perhaps the boss of your company, you were the manager, or you were the boss, or you were the director of your company, and, um, but then you got saved. This was before you got saved. You were the boss. You were the boss of your business. And, but then when you got saved, it's like you have an MBO. Do you know what an MBO is? I know Amy, Amy you'll know. It's a management buyout. You, get, you have a new manager. You have a new management team that comes in. You often see it, actually, in, in shops and in restaurants. It'll say, under new management, right? And then you think, oh, good, their services are going to improve, or whatever the case may be. But there's under new management. In other words, in Christ, the Bible says that the old has gone, the new has come. 
So we're under new management. You can't have two heads. And what, what happens often with a takeover, if there's a corporate takeover, and by the way, this isn't a hostile takeover. Okay, this is a, this is a godly takeover. Um, you know what he does? He's, he, 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 he fires the current head. He'll fire the current management team. You have to go. You can't have the old management team in place. So this is what it is about, is surrendering to God. Either he's in charge or I am. Which one is it? It's about he is in control. He's in charge of my life. And when this new manager comes in, to call him a manager, but I'm talking about God, I'm talking about Jesus, where he brings his own resources, you know, it's not this hostile takeover where we utilize and use what you've got. No, what? He, 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 he comes in, he's paid the price. He's paid the price. He, he's already paid the price. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He comes in and he empowers us. He gives us resources. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his word. He gives us his promises. Man, what a fantastic MBO. Hey? What a great, what a great, what is the word? I think something to receive, but there's no lack in him. And because of all this, I want to present all I have to him. I want to do all that he wants me to do. I want to yield my life to him. So he says there in Romans chapter 12, he says, but do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. The the message says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That we don't become so relevant that we don't stand out. We're meant to stand out. We're meant to be like that salmon that swims upstream. We're not meant to go with the flow. We are meant to stand out and be different. uh, J.B. Phillips says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't become infected by the world. Don't be conformed to the world. The only conforming we're supposed to be doing is conforming to the image of Jesus. Romans 8, 29. The only conforming is means we must conform to the image of Jesus. And that doesn't mean that we all walk around with white robes and sandals, okay? That's not, it's not about dressing in a certain way or anything like that. But we're to be like him in character and action. Like the fruit of the Spirit that we read just now. We're to be like Jesus. We're to be full of joy now, full of peace now. And, and, and I don't want to get ahead of it ahead of me, but ahead of myself, but we've got to think what he thinks, do what he does. That's how we conform to his image. Jesus only did those things that pleased the Father. He's a Father pleaser. You know what, when you go out to work tomorrow, just pray it. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to work. I'm going to represent you. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm going to represent you in my work environment or in my school environment. I'm representing, I'm representing you. I'm, I'm a, about my father's business. This is what it is. Go about your father's business. Be a father pleaser. Do what Jesus did. So he goes on there and he says, don't be conformed to this world, but he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I love how the word just reinforces the word. He says, don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we said taking away to establish God takes away the old to establish the new. This is how we become Christ-like. The New Living Translation of that part of the scripture says, 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God wants to change you into a new person by changing the way you think. He goes on, he says, then when you've changed the way you think, you will learn to know God's will for you. When you've changed the way you think, and you'll find out that it is a good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the purpose of transformation is to recognize God's will for your life, that his will for you is a good, pleasing, and perfect will. That his, life, his, his will for us is for us to have an abundant life, a victorious life, come on, an overcoming life, a life full of love and peace and to be enjoyed, not one to be endured. So that word transformed actually um, is, it comes from a Greek word, metamorphou. I don't know if that's probably the worst pronunciation there, Byron, but <laughs> it's where we get the word metamorphosis from. And, and, and that actually is about, um, that's the transformation that happens when a pupa changes into a butterfly. And I mean, when you think about a pupa, is it a pupa? Or a, is that the right word? Thanks, thanks, Anne. It is a pupa. But he, you know what, he that he's, a pupa is like a little squidgy thing. And he, this little pupa is transformed, it's metamorphosized into this beautiful butterfly. Or it's like from a tadpole, becomes a frog. That's a transformation. It's a radical transformation. It's a total change. It's a total change. And 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I know you all can quote it already, says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You've been transformed. You're a new race of being. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I love the verse 18. It says, now all things are of God. All things are are of God. When you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. All things are of God. Everything. So why don't we invite Jesus into every area of our lives? Not just coming to church on a Sunday or limit him to our quiet time in the morning, but invite him into your health. Invite him into your eating patterns we say, when there's a mountain of muffins on the back table there. But invite him into your finances. Invite God into your finances. He wants to be part of every area of your life. Jesus isn't just an add-on, something that we add on to our lives. Oh, and we, plus we've got Jesus. No, he wants to be involved in every part of your life. Your finances, your, your eating, your sleeping, your normal, every day, driving to Asda, walking to Asda, doing your shopping. Be, get him involved in your workplace. You know what? You can pray for your, for your work. You can pray for the company that employs you if you're employed by a company, or you can pray for your own company if you have your own. Because the Bible says that in its peace, pray for the peace of the city where God sends you, because in its peace you will have peace. And we've seen it time and time again with Chris, where there have been different things in different environments, and suddenly there's drama, we just pray for the peace of the city. We pray for God's peace in that situation because in that peace, he will have peace. 
but we've got to invite God into our workplace, into our school. Hey, Johnny, invite God into your school. Pray for your colleagues. Pray for your peers. Pray for your bosses. Pray for your friends. Invite God into your relationships. Your kids, your family, your your in-laws, your outlaws, your marriage, your spouse. Pray for your spouse. But all things are of God. All things have become new. So as we resist conformity to the world, then, and we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, then we will be able to test and approve what the will of the Lord is. In, in fact, another translation says, by experience, you may have knowledge of the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. So it's not just about knowing the will of God, but it's about experiencing it. It's about living it, proving it, the will of God in our lives. But the way that it happens, that transformation that comes from the inside out is by changing the way we think. We've got to change the way we think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's what's inside will come out, and that's who we are. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In fact, the message says, Guard your heart, for it, your heart, determines the course of your life. Another version says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Somebody said it in the prayer meeting, you are what you eat. This is true. You are what you eat. You're a product of what you eat. But it's also you're a product of your thought life. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. That ordinary, everyday life, that, that sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life is shaped by your thoughts. Your thought life is so important. Your thoughts control your life. Every action that we do starts with a thought. Everything that we do. You know, if, I just, if I'm going to have a cup of tea, I don't just sort of drift over to the kettle and find myself in front of the kettle. No, I think about it first. I want a cup of tea. And then I, and then I act on it. You know, so our thought life dictates our life. I mean, that's a silly example, but it's true. How about gossip? How about gossip? You know, that suddenly, if you, if you don't think about it, if you're thinking about it, you'll do it. So if you start thinking about, hmm, I didn't like what so-and-so was wearing today, you know, I've thought it, and it's come out. So every action, whether it's a word that we speak or it's an action that we do, starts with a thought. But if you don't think it, you don't do it. So our lives are shaped by our thoughts. Your feelings, your emotions, should not shape your life. Well, I feel like this. I feel like that. Your emotions should not shape your life. If your emotions are shaping your life, you need to take cognizance, know what am I thinking about? What am I thinking about? And take, we'll, we'll see what we do about that. But we've got to go to the source. <coughs> Sorry, you've got to go to the source. If you're feeling low, think about what am I thinking about? 
What's, what's the source? What am I thinking? That's the source. That's where you need to go. What am I thinking about that I'm feeling so low? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. God is more interested in changing your mind than in changing your circumstances. Hey, that's powerful. That's a powerful sentence. He is more interested in changing the way we think than changing our circumstances. He's more interested in uh, what we, in who we're becoming, rather than what we accomplish. That's more important to him. But transformational change can only happen when when we start thinking about what we're thinking about, when we start um, changing the way we think. And we're talking here about heart transformation. We're not talking about behavior modification. Okay, it's not about a new bunch of rules. We've got to do this, we've got to do that. No, it's got to come from within. We're not dealing with external behaviors, but it's our heart attitude. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and he gives the most fantastic beautiful scripture about how Jesus made himself of no reputation. But he says, but let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind. You know what? You have, just think about that. You have the mind of Christ. You don't have the mind of Einstein as clever as you might be, but you don't have the mind of Einstein. You don't even have the mind of Mozart, as musically talented and gifted you might be, but you, don't have, the, but you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Give God access to your thought life. Give him access to your thought life. You know what he knows every thought before it's even said anyway? But just give him, just there's a freedom in it. Like, Lord, I can't sort out this mess in my head anymore. Give it to God. He'll sort it out. But we need to think what he thinks. But we've got to be careful how we think because our life is shaped by our thoughts. Very importantly, we don't have to just accept every thought that lands in our heads. Martin Luther was the one who said, you know, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. Just because a thought comes, you don't have to think it through to a logical conclusion. I don't know if I must be the only one who does this, but if a thought comes into my head, it doesn't even have to be true. It can just be a thought. And most of the thoughts, are, they are presumptions. They are just assumptions. They're not necessarily all true. But a thought can come into my mind, and I want to think it right through to the conclusion, the logical conclusion. It hasn't even happened. It's just in my head. No, we can't, we can't live like that. We can't allow that bird to create this nest in our head. We don't have to entertain every thought that just drops into our mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says that we take every thought captive, and this is where we're going now. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we'll get to it in a minute, but in the, the Passion Translation, it says we capture like prisoners of war, every thought, and insist that it bow in obedience to Christ. We capture like a prisoner of war. I was thinking about a prisoner of war. You know what? Prisoners of war have no rights. You have no rights. As a prisoner, you, you've lost all your rights. 
those of us that have actually maybe spent a little night or two in a prison cell, you'll know. You have not got any rights in prison. And as a prisoner of war, you have no rights. So the same way, as a prisoner of war, we don't have to give this, these thoughts that come into our, into our heads, squatters' rights, that, because they're illegal thoughts. Some of these thoughts are illegal. They don't have to just come into... We don't have to entertain them and accept it and receive it. No, we don't have to do it. Instead, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, while I take a sip of water. It says, for the weapons of our warfare. Now, we're not going to go into weird doctrines now and start talking about weird stuff. No, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We are in a war. The, the, the battle, uh, Joyce Meyer's written a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. I would recommend anybody read it. It's a brilliant book. But this is the battlefield. It's between these two years. The battlefield is the mind. And he says, for the weapons of our warfare, there's a constant battle for your mind. Uh, the, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not natural. Okay? But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, there goes, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know what, the carnal, the natural way for us to, to, to manage thoughts that come into our minds is to overpower, to dominate, to manipulate, and to deceive and outmaneuver. That would be the natural way to, to fight these battles that come into our mind. But the spiritual way, the spiritual way, not the carnal way, the spiritual way is we put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, it says, take up the whole armor of God. He says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, not the gospel of chaos. It's a gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects the head. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Just have a look in that scripture that talks about the truth. It talks about the, the shield of faith. It talks about the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The Word of God. So if a thought drops into your mind and it's not in line with the Word of God, it doesn't line up, take it captive. Take it captive. And there's nothing weird and spooky about it. Like, no, I refuse to think that thought. It has no right. It's like a prisoner of war. It has no right. Take it captive. And like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, where Jesus, he, he takes away to establish. We don't just leave an empty space there. We can't empty our minds. I don't know where that comes from, but we cannot empty. It's not talking about removing your mind. It's renewing your mind. Okay, so we still have this, this empty space, but fill it. Displace and replace. Take away in order to establish. That's when the word comes in. 
So if you think you walk into a room and people are standing in a little group, it doesn't happen here, okay? I'm talking about at your workplace or something, where you walk in and there's a group of people and you think, they're talking about me. They were talking about me. I just, I just know it. Well, guess what? You don't know it. That's emotionalism and it's presumption, isn't it? It's not truth. You know what? We can't live our lives based on presumption, but we can live our lives based on promises of God. So what do we do? We walk into the room and there's a little group of people and then, nee, 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 and you, you think, they're talking about me? No. Do you know what? You, you replace that thought. That, that is not a truth. You don't know that for sure. That is not a truth. So what do we do? We take the word of God. Lord, you love me. You accept me. I'm accepted in the beloved. I am complete in you. And this, this is it. You start quoting God's word to yourself. You replace and displace that word that's come up into your head. And he goes on and he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And I want to just look at this a little bit in, in, in the last few minutes that we've got left today. A stronghold is a pattern that's been burned into our minds that cause us to think things a certain way or to perceive things in a certain way. So a stronghold is it's a place where, where, uh, where a belief is strongly defended and upheld. A stronghold can be, you know, like in, in Wales, they, they reckon the Millennium Stadium, you know, if you want to watch a rugby game, they call the Millennium Stadium the stronghold. Because if you go into there and there's 70,000 Welshmen singing their national anthem, you shiver. Because that's like a stronghold. It is a stronghold. They, you know, these Welshmen, they're crazy over rugby. You know? And, um, but, but this is, that's, that's in a, in a, in a, in a natural sense, that's a stronghold. But in our minds, it's a place where a, where a cause or belief is strongly defended. It's strongly defended, and, and it's usually held to protect yourself from pain. It's, it's, a, it's a thought pattern. It's a thought process. It's like a defense mechanism. It's your natural go-to situation. It's your natural go-to defense mechanism. It's like a fortified opinion. So and I'll give you an example. So before I got saved, if I thought somebody didn't like me, um, or if they were just nasty to me, um, or if I thought they'd been gossiping about me, what I'd do, I'd retaliate in a certain way. And what I would do was, I'd just ignore them. I would actually, in my mind, dismiss them from my, from my life. I would, I would give them, you know, cats have a way of giving you these weird stares. You know, anybody got cats or seen cats, and they can go like that. <laughs> well, that's what I would do. That would be my response. It was a stronghold. You know what? That's how I got. That's how I defended my my position. You don't. You don't have to like me. I don't care. Meanwhile, inside I was broken until I got born again, and then God said, "Ah, it's your enemy. Engage. Go and engage with your enemy." I'm like, "Oh no, God, please, not that. Anything but that. No, engage. You engage." You love your enemies. You pray for them. Oh, I don't want to. You do it. You live. Take your everyday ordinary life and you lay it before the Lord like a living sacrifice. 
It's called Dying to Self. We'll have, well, one day Chris can preach that message. I'm not going to even try it because it's just too painful and you get tested on everything that you preach. But, it's, but you know what? It's, it's a proven point. If you can ever listen to a woman called Dr. Caroline Leaf, listen to her explanation about these medical... She's, she's, she's a rocket surgeon. You know, I mean, she's just out there somewhere, and she's a Christian, and she gives explanations of how our thought patterns are processed. And, um, but, so we're talking here about um, strongholds, that is, but it's been proven that our thoughts create a neuropathway in our brain. You actually create a pathway. And I was thinking about it like this, that if you've got a garden and you walk across your garden in the same way, across the grass, say for 100 days, like Major Tom, remember, but he didn't walk on the grass, I don't think. But if you had grass, a patch of grass, and you walked across that grass for 100 days, you're going to create a pathway. And that's what happens with a stronghold. It's your go-to behavior. It's, it's your behavior that manifests because it's the way you think, because you're going to that natural pathway. And what we've got to do is create new pathways for the way that we think. So I'm, I'm, I want us to do something this week. In the week that comes up, I want us to throw out a challenge to every single one of us, because I don't believe I'm the only one Yeah, okay? I think I can spot a few little heads nodding. Yes, we're not you, Sandy, we're with you. You're not the only one. But you know what? Define the stronghold that's in your life. Go, get, just get before God and ask God, God, what, do, what is it that I'm doing? Because, but you need to define it. You need to be specific. Because what you, what you can't define, you can't defeat. And if we want to be able to re renew our minds, we've got to know how to do this. So you've got to be able to define what you want to defeat. So, so name the stronghold. So in other words, when X happens, this is how I react. This is how I respond. So, um, you know, so for instance, I, I just thought of this this morning. You know what? When this happens, this is how I respond. And a perfect example, I mean, I don't do this, but, well, I did it once and it didn't work, so I stopped. Um, but you know what? If my spouse behaves in a certain way, I'm going to give him the cold shoulder. That's wrong. It's not for us to... I'm, I'm not talking about any abusive, manipulative, bad situation, okay? But I'm just talking in general terms that if your spouse is behaving in a certain way, don't give them the cold shoulder. Talk to each other. Love one another. Husbands, love your wives. Lay down your life for your wives. Wives, honor your husbands. But, but we've got to find, we've got to name the truth that defines, we've got to find the truth that, that defines our, that, that demolishes that stronghold. So we define the stronghold. We say, this is what I do. When people treat me in this way, this is how I behave. Define it and then find the truth of God. What do you say, God? So if I behave like this, and this is what happens to me, how am I going to fix it? Give me a scripture. Give me a word, Lord, to, to teach me how to bring down, how to take captive that thought, how to start creating new pathways. So your challenge for this week is to define it. You want to defeat strongholds in your life? Define it in order to defeat it. Think about what you're thinking about. Don't just accept things that fall into your head. Be aware, be conscious 
all, I have been so conscious of the little things. You know what, it's not always the big things, it's the little things, it's attitudes. Be aware, how do I respond in certain situations? Am I conforming to the image of Jesus? You know what, thoughts don't just go away on their own, they don't go away, they stay. So we have to choose what we are thinking and not become a victim of every thought that just drops into our minds. You know what, whatever gets your attention, gets you. I mean, if you're sitting here thinking about lunch, you're gone. Your 47% has just left the building. (laughs) You're at lunch table eating a roast. (laughs) But whatever gets your attention, gets you. There's a constant battle for your mind. And I'm going to close with this. 1 Peter 1, verse 13. It says, Therefore, I love this scripture. I love the scripture. Gird up the loins of your mind. The, The passion says, Prepare your hearts and minds for action. The message says, get your head in the game. Get your head in the game. You can't be playing a game of football or rugby if you're thinking about your dinner. You can't be allowing these thoughts to just drop into your head if you're trying to conform to the image of Jesus. You want to to be transformed. You want this transformation. You want to go from that pupa into a butterfly. You can't do it. You've got to get rid of loose and sloppy thinking. Get rid of loose and sloppy thinking. Don't just, you can control what you're thinking about. Satan cannot control your thoughts. Okay, just put that one to bed now. Satan cannot control your thoughts. He can drop drip feed thoughts into your mind, but you don't have to accept them. So Satan cannot control your thoughts. Only you can. God cannot control your thoughts. He he cannot and he won't. He's given you a free will. God does not control your thinking. You do. You've got a free will. So choose what you're going to do. Get rid of that loose, sloppy thinking. Get your head in the game. Get your head in the game. And he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, he says, as obedient children, not conforming yourself to former lusts, as in your ignorance before you were saved, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. By two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I'm not just preaching from first imaginations here. We went from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's repeated in 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 16. It's exactly the same message. Do not conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed. And he says, not conforming yourself to the former lusts, you also be holy in all your conduct. As a man thinks, so is he. Your thoughts determine your life. Your thoughts determine your actions. But he says, be holy. 
it's not now you don't have to stop wearing makeup ladies okay please don't stop wearing makeup okay and act weird no just be holy be holy you are holy you're sanctified you're set apart by god so god's not telling us to do something that he's not empowered us to do we have the mind of christ we have the mind of christ let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus so perhaps if you have an unrenewed mind an unrenewed mind can lead to tension but a renewed mind can lead to tranquility an unrenewed mind can lead to pressure pressure but a renewed mind leads to peace Remember, carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. An unrenewed mind leads to conflict and chaos, but a renewed mind leads to confidence. If you're always stressed out, an unrenewed mind can lead to stress, but a renewed mind, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, a renewed mind can lead to strength, security and stability so we need to think how god thinks so we can prove to ourselves what is god's perfect will not just know it but to live it and to experience it in jesus name and all god's people said amen amen, amen.